traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Hi, I'm Kirsty Major, commissioning editor here at The Independent, and this is Double Take, a podcast in which our writers come into the studio to read and discuss one of their opinion pieces. It could be their weekly column, or something from the archives that shines some light on this week's news. Today is going to be a little bit different. I'll be taking a step back and we'll be joined by indie columnists and comedians Mark Steele and Shafi Korsandi, who will be talking about why Theresa May's speech went the way it did, and why she should spend some time on the comedy circuit. Over to Mark to read his piece, Theresa May can nail Brexit, she just needs to make sure everyone continues feeling sorry for her. I reckon I've worked out what happened with Theresa May at the Conservative conference. This is all part of a mass psychological test and we're all being monitored to see at what point we feel sorry for Theresa May. By November, she'll be at a G8 summit crawling around the floor looking for a contact lens and she'll get tangled in the Japanese Prime Minister's wife's kimono, which it turns out she's allergic to, so she turns purple. But the blotches on her neck will spell, I'm shit at Brexit. And then she'll get trodden on by a stray llama and let out a series of growls that go, that accidentally say you can have Scotland for a fiver with an earshot to Angela Merkel, who then decides that that's a contract. And then she'll be so disastrous that the Unite Union sends her a bunch of roses with a message saying, stay strong, honey, and ISIS will issue a statement wishing her all the best as they've never seen someone in such a pickle. And then it will be revealed that this was all an experiment and we've all been given a mark according to when we finally snapped and said, please, no, it's too embarrassing, make it stop. And this is why the most touching part of the Conservative conference was the amazing attempt by MPs to be positive about their leader's speech, saying she was resilient for battling through to the very end, which would be a fair statement if she'd had to fight a leopard. If a five-year-old manages to recite the alphabet, even though they lose control of it, and make a puddle between D and L... Then we tell them they've done very well to get to the end. So why should our standards be any different for a Prime Minister? Maybe this will inspire a new Indiana Jones film in which he can only reach the sacred papers if he completes even more terrifying ordeals than before, such as talking through a sniff and not running away when he's unexpectedly handed a sheet of paper. One of May's supporters suggested that since she overcame such horrors, this proves she's the ideal person to deal with Brexit. And he has a point, because during the negotiations, if she manages to complete a sentence with only six or seven pauses for a lemsip, then the Germans will say, you are so clever, and they'll scrap the demand for £50 billion. Because you would have to be heartless not to sympathise. All round the country, the most vulnerable people were willing her on through the speech. The 550,000 who relied on food banks in the last year were urging, keep going, Theresa, get through the cough, love, so that you can explain how we need you in charge, otherwise the economy might go wrong. And it was Theresa May who, as Home Secretary, sent those vans round the streets with signs saying, if you're here illegally, go home. Many of those people affected by that will have been cheering her on as they have so much in common. 
They had to bravely battle on as well as they floated across the Mediterranean on a Monopoly board. And the Prime Minister had to summons up a similar courage to finish talking with a cold, proving we're all in it together. Theresa May even managed to apologise for her election campaign, saying it was too scripted. And at that exact moment, she proved that she'd learnt from that mistake because an intruder handed her a P45 and completely spontaneously, Theresa responded by placing it on the floor and carrying on with her scripted speech about how she'd been too scripted. It was a perfectly written sketch. If they'd had a bigger budget, she would have said, no longer must we in our party stick rigidly to our script, even if a zebra walks in front of us, while ignoring a zebra walking in front of her at that exact point. And it shows how inclusive the Tories are, that in order to lurk near the front of the Conservative conference during the leader's speech and not be spotted as unusual, the Joker had to dress as the most geeky suburban middle-aged sales director from the 1950s who would be immediately arrested if he was seen in a public park within 100 yards of a child. And it's a measure of our kindness is at the heart of the Conservative thinking that so many Tories express their concern for a sniffle. But they might be underestimating the problem because it's extremely rare for a normal cough to ruin a public performance. Anyone who performs regularly knows all manner of illnesses subside during the moments in front of an audience because adrenaline and vanity and ego get you through. But it did for her because she wasn't excited, was she? She was anxious and forlorn and worried. And so when she goes to the doctor, if the doctor is any good... They'll say, ah, Mrs May, I think I know the problem. It seems there was a crash in the world economy caused by the recklessness of the banks, and yet those who caused it continued gorging themselves while millions around the West felt their living standards decline, and they became rather bitter and mistrustful of the values that have dominated the recent past, in which the only way of running society has been to hand society over to big business. And so from America to Spain and Greece to France, politicians representing those views have somewhat lost their popularity but don't understand why. And so you called an election in a similar vein that you didn't need to call, certain to beat somebody that you saw as scruffy and unelectable, and you don't have a clue why you come unstuck, and nor does your party, so they blame you, and so you're a bag of nerves and can't manage to read out loud a simple series of sentences without collapsing in a heap of coughs and sniffles. So have a Nurofen and try and get some rest. There you go. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Theresa May, right? Yeah. So, so, have you ever, ever been performing and collapsed like that? No, and that's the thing, right? So, 
I want to talk about it. It's not like, you know, in a political way, but just purely as a performer, which she has to be. Politicians have to have training in how to do public speaking. Mm. And I don't think there's any comedian that's ever messed up a live at the Apollo because they've had a cough. And you, I bet you've been in situations when you've been so ill. I, I've gone on tour in the back of my brother's car with duvets all around me and like catatonic with flu. And then you get out the car, you do your show, and then you're ill again afterwards. Yeah. You don't stand on, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. I was happen. at the, the, the Lowry in Salford and once uh, to... Um, it was going fine, but I was, oh, I felt sort of croaky, but it was, it was all fine and going fine. And then I thought, oh, Christ, you know, when you've got a big lump of gob, and I had to say, I've never mm. done this before on stage. I will do it just out, out of sight. And I had to gob into a cup and yeah. come back on. And I told him I'd done it. And that was, she should have done that, shouldn't she? She should have gobbed in a cup. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know why she did. It just, it just seemed like, ah, oh, so this is your get out. It was, it was. Don't you reckon it's, but, but, have you been, you must have had that sort of croak. Well, maybe you haven't. I've got that sometimes. If I'm in somewhere, if I'm in a situation where it's it's not natural for me to speak, like if I was in court, mm. then I would sort of be thinking, I can't imagine why I might be in Why did you suddenly mention court, Mark? <laughs> but I was sort of, um, uh, it's, the, it's the Hatton Garden heist. I was the one they never got. <laughs> <laughs> just caught up with me last week and then I got croaky in court so th no, th you do. then you sort of do because you're ner you know, a bit yeah. nervous isn't you? the actual actual nerves is what gets you yes. it's not oh yes. poor thing she's got a cough it's poor thing she's so nervous that this has got her and I think there's been times where I was newer and absolutely dying on stage and I remember once I was at the Edinburgh Festival, I was about five and dying on stage at my own show, which is a horrible thing because you're all in it for an hour. Jeez, can you imagine? Well, of course you can imagine if you've lived it. Um, and I sort of fainted. I sort of fainted. We had to stop the show because I fainted. Um, and well, you actually blacked out? Sort of. I sort of willed myself to because, I, like, you know, sometimes when you're dying so hard and you're too new to properly deal with it. Because nowadays, if you're dying, you're not connecting, you deal with it and you yeah. mention it and you acknowledge it. Faint. How far would you go? Would you feign a stroke? Oh, no, I didn't feign a faint. But right, what? would no, you have one no. then and think, I'm going to will myself to? But sometimes you're dying and you just go, I just want to just... Uh, just just lie on the ground and just what are people going to do if I just collapse and, and it won't be my fault and Glastonbury I did Glastonbury Festival way before I was ready they said I'd been doing stand-up comedy for three minutes and the organizers said have you got a half hour set to do at the Glastonbury Festival in exchange for free tickets and I said yes it was a lie I had five minutes of material at best and I remember standing there, tent full of people, and my legs were just visibly shaking. And I walked off, off, walked off after 11 minutes, just feeling faint. And they took me aside. They put my head between my legs. It was, it was a sight. I think I wet myself. Uh, only twice. But it's not deliberate. No. It's not like I'm going to pretend to faint. It's nerves have got I'm... to me, and yeah, I've collapsed. Yeah, yeah. When you first start, that's why you sort of you recognise me. You see, I've seen people try, you know, in a public meeting or something, yeah. and someone has to get up and speak, and they're not used to it, and they actually start, then they even sort of start to almost 
cry even though it's a public meeting about <laughs> building a new bus shelter in the high street it's that's really a, emotional. an emotional thing and yeah. it's yeah and they just sort of they and people collapse because they're not used to it and I, you know i would argue that if you're prime minister you ought to be slightly more used to it than someone in those circumstances a hundred percent for example you can't imagine I don't know how you feel about her, but I, don't, I can't imagine Margaret Thatcher, whatever you might feel about her, she knew how to hold herself. And if someone had handed her a piece of paper with P45 written on it, she wouldn't have just grabbed it and put it on the floor. And neither did Churchill, and that's what you need. No, Churchill could be quite poor as a public speaker. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But don't, don't, like, rain on my point. No, sorry, all right. So... Um, Churchill could be quite poor as a public speaker and uh, and that, that's the thing you have to learn you're prime minister mate you've got the top job know how to deal with anxiety wasn't it that's what yeah. we're saying it's not it was she a social from anxiety yeah and of that's course okay. she does because she called an election thinking haha this is a piece of piss I can't lose I'm not even going to bother turning up for the debates I can just stay at home and watch Bake Off and I will win automatically, and yeah. it's all gone down the plug for her. Yeah. And that's and everyone around her ate her. That happened to Jenny Galbraith in um, our school sports day, 1984. Oh. She was so sure, <laughs> she was so sure that she was going to win the egg and spoon race because she was like the champion gymnast in our school or her sister both her sisters were in the netball team and she was at half american and that made it even more sporty and she didn't imagine that plump little chappy was gonna whip her ass and i won the egg and spoon race montpelier middle school in 1984 you were the jeremy corbyn of the egg and spoon race. yes i was and you know what you shouldn't <laughs> underestimate the underdog What's she doing now, Jenny Galbraith? Where is she now? Jenny Galbraith, or, or if we're going to use her real name. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jenny Galbraith. Uh, well, the last time I saw her on Facebook, she was living in Arkansas. Yeah? Yeah, not sporty at all, and in no way prime minister. I don't think she's touched an egg or a spoon ever or, since. No, she didn't look like she had, no. Um, so, yeah, that, that was the thing. I, I did watch Theresa May's speech as a stand-up, and I think we stand-ups really looked at it from yeah, our yeah, own yeah. point of view. Definitely. Because um, we know what health battles we have had to face when also having to is engage it that her crowd. ego isn't, isn't big enough? Because that would be what would stop me in that situation. I mean, I would be thinking, oh, oh, this is a big gig. They'll be looking at me on the news and mm. everything. And and you'd just think, right, get over your cough and your sneeze yeah. and your whatever yeah, it yeah. is, your hiccups and your asthma. Don't let that get in the way. Because you've got to be the boss. You've got to be the boss. You've got to be so the it boss. was. So when all of those conservatives were saying it was marvellous, wonderful that you had a cough, that you still managed to get, but to get to the end. Of course, she, <laughs> what was she going to do other than do what you did and faint if she was actually <laughs> to do that? Now, if I turn to housing, oh, oh, oh my, oh, get, and then that—that that was her only option, wasn't it? If to it was yeah. not going to get to the end. Yeah, and you know what. It's it's such a tricky thing to even talk about because you want to support like there is I remember very early on in my career somebody told me that on stage is the only time you can't girly your way out of anything because I have to say isn't this an awful thing to admit but I have to say that um, 
as a as a little girl you learn that if you show sort of some sort of physical vulnerability people will come to your rescue and it doesn't work on a stand-up stage no one will care they'll just care that you're not doing your job likewise prime minister i don't know is that sexist <laughs> possibly but it's 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 much much right with Brexit when she's just completely that <laughs> no David Davis hasn't turned oh. up and Boris has said something oh the bloody Germans bloody never trusted bloody last time still blame me for the bloody grandmother's bloody flat being born with the doodlebugs and she's just completely uh, nothing's going right and she just goes oh I've lost me brooch yeah oh I had a little cough and here's a photo of my cough medicine on Twitter <laughs> you have to do quite a lot of un undo it you have to undo quite oh, a lot right. of conditioning to go. It's non-negotiable. You will be okay unless your head's fallen off. You get through it, and it's not applause for getting through it. But to be fair, what were they meant to say? I mean, some did come out going, "She's got to leave. She's got to leave." Like the ordinary Tory supporters that bought tickets to go. Yeah, I suppose so. But the, her colleagues, it would be bad form to go. <laughs> oh, she fucked that right up. That but then that's that's why that's why. Uh, <clears throat> One of the reasons, not the only one, or even the main one, but one of the reasons that Corbyn's become popular is because he hasn't gone by all of those sorts of rules that they did in the in the thick of it and all that yeah. sort of thing. He hasn't done that. They do speak, nor, you know, look, that, nor did Farage, if we're being no, fair. No, nor did Farage. No, you, you break. You can't say that. Don't they know what they're doing? That's not in the handbook. Yeah. And then, or Trump, you know. Yeah, they threw the handbook away and did it their way. So, um, can you edit that out? <laughs> Thanks. Um, no, they threw the handbook out, and and that's that's what you kind of need in a leader. A bit of chutzpah, be they Farage or Trump or, or Corbyn. But Blair was all because he was um, he was a psychopath. We can say that, can't we? <clears throat> Surely there's enough evidence to say that. I don't think I don't think it would stand up. No, I called Trump a psychopath on Twitter. I can't even remember in what context. Probably some rubbish, stupid, half-assed, ill-thought-out comment like most of the things I put on Twitter. And I, and for separate people sent me messages saying please don't add to the stigma against psychopaths wow because if there's anything that they need is <laughs> yeah i is... did a joke saying oh, they're suffering as well you know mm. they've got nowhere to put their salad because their fridge is full of heads <laughs> <laughs> but that you know that's that's the even even with us talking about theresa may like this and mm. i feel nervous saying certain things in case it seems like I'm not being politically correct enough when talking about someone who has anxiety issues. Because oh, isn't it bad? Right. Constantly. I'm so, I, you know, you end up policing yourself. God, we know when, you know when I said women have to do undoing of conditioning of not to girly their way out of things, is someone on Twitter going to go, well, I think that you are generalized, blah, 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 blah. And it's, you've got to get your head. And then I realize I'm on Twitter too much. Yeah. Well, you get piles and and piles of them, don't you? Those things. Do you get loads of them? I've got. I've been. <clears throat> I've had to leave it alone for three days while there's just a, a well, people, barrage of yeah. Of and it, you have to let it spin and out. And it feels like it's everyone. You feel like you're going to go outside into the street and people go, "There he is. There's the person who who, who trivialised the Holocaust instead of dust person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thereby trivialising the slaughter of the Native Americans. <laughs> but. <laughs> 
But yeah. they don't, and no one cares. There's this yeah. sort of little group of people that are just firing away and never back down. I was in a joke about saying, even if you, they never back down, right? You could put, uh, they could put, why should I listen to Claire Balding's views on horse racing when she ruins Zimbabwe? And if you put, no, you, you've mixed her up with Robert Mugabe, and they go, doesn't make any difference. Yeah. Or they'll go, oh, now you're trivializing. You're trivialising. Uh, you're you're yeah. making a joke out of something. So you're trivialising genocide or something. Yeah, or something. So, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. That is the sum total of who I am. <laughs> a little tweet about, and, and I have trivialised genocide, and that's who I am, according to Nobend on Twitter, who, for all I know, locks his his dogs up in a cupboard. Now I've made an assumption <laughs> that it's a man. Now people are going to write in and go, how do you know the knob end wasn't a woman? And why is knob end? Why are you using a penis as a term of abuse? Isn't that mannest? Honestly, I wonder how I ever leave the house sometimes. How many dogs in a cupboard? Loads of dogs. You just don't know how people treat their dogs, so they can't have the moral high ground with me unless I know how they're treating their pets. You're attempting to put just something really, really filthy back. You're really just, really just like, all right, then this one really. I can't, we can't say it, can we? But the no, but but you know what though? You ha- you can you can annihilate some people who tweet you nonsense like that. But it's not in my nature to, and I don't think it's in your nature to. Oh, it's in mine. To, is it to yeah. really? But I don't. I never do it because then you. you no, think, no, well, that's, that's what I mean. What you don't. Waste of energy. No, exactly, everything. exactly. You. It's like there's a million other things to do in life. The left sit. are as bad as the right on this. Yes, I would 100 percent agree with you. With that. Or people who who claim to be of the left because they're forever looking for a point of difference. Mm. And this is what I. This is part of what's caused the problem, I think, with the left. Um, I think there's a very different left now in this sort of um, you know Corbyn doing well sort of era, but they're forever so they might go right. How? Why should I listen to your views when you use the wrong word for transgender something or other? And I think right that is when I first sort of become politically involved in campaigns of then. I remember sort of learning from people around me that that the trick is to find the point of unity yes. so someone might be against the trade unions but they're uh, they're really committed anti-racist or they might be you know they might have terrible views about gay rights but they're really good about other things you know so mm. you sort of find the point of unity and then use that to talk about the other issues yeah but what these people do is they look for the point of difference you can agree with them on almost anything and they'll be sort of poking about yeah. with a scalpel looking for there you are you said the word that was only the correct word to say about gay Eskimos Ten years ago. last year you know. <laughs> yeah and the right don't do that the right Ooh. don't do that to one another but we do the left not me i'm perfect but other people on the left just claw at each other's um vernacular and terminology you, you like you say didn't do that correctly therefore you are null and void your opinion is null and void and then we wonder why. I did a thing for these. Uh, uh, I did an article when Corbyn was first standing for the um, Labour leadership yes. election thing, and there was this sort of 
barrage of, of really crazy, mad abuse in the press and so on. In particular, from um, you know one or two sort of you know the, the right wing papers that you'd expect. And there was one that had a feature. Oh, it was a, like a little mini novella thing, two pages, middle pages. And it was the story of if Jeremy Corbyn became Prime Minister. And it was, I think it was six months into his term as Prime Minister. This is what it will be like. And it started, the whole of London is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, that's the starting point. He just, so I did a whole thing because that's what happens. You nationalise the railways, they'll just automatically just explode. They're very, they're flammable. They can't stand nationalisation. They're made of certain sort of, uh, I don't know, chemicals, whatever, right? All this sort of thing, mad things. And then the good people of an organisation called Media Lens just sent loads and loads of abuse at me, saying, "I know Media Lens. Why yeah. didn't you uh, include in your funny little article attacks on the Independent? They're as bad as everybody else." And I said, mm. "Well, I, I really don't think they are." And then that, that even that little reply was enough to just send them nuts and on their website and special things and I had to block them all. And then they were writing things like, now he's got to blocked me, you know, so much for freedom of speech and so on. Media Lens, an organisation yeah. that, I don't know where they come from or whatever. I know, but... I know Media Lens, uh, yeah, I, I had a, I had a, a, a partner who was obsessed with them. And uh, it doesn't surprise me that they did that. And the whole blocking thing, what happened to freedom of speech, you're not the government. You're one person that doesn't want to see a load of bile while you're having your toast and in an idle moment flicking <laughs> through Twitter. Oh, well, I wouldn't you deny the freedom of speech. They no. can call me whatever they like, but I don't want to hear it. Exactly. So that's like someone coming round your house yeah. while you're having your tea, sitting next to you exactly. and going... You're a wanker, you are. <laughs> Can you get out of the house, mate? Oh, now, Mr. Steele, so-called lefty with his freedom of speech doesn't let me into his own bed at three in the morning to call him a wanker. Huh, now we see his true colours. Like that, isn't it? It is, yeah. Do people come into your house call you a wanker? Would you allow that? Yeah, they've probably yeah. got a point, though, some of them. Cause I've, but that that's the, that's the worst thing. It's like this... this uh, this ridiculous world where strangers are, are arguing with strangers and then and then accusations of denying my freedom of speech without properly engaging. You get nice people on Twitter though mostly. I, I do. Get mostly get really I'm, nice. I mostly really get nice, nice people because um, I, I didn't at first but I feed the nice people. Yeah. I really feed them. There was a time where I'd answer trolls. And then what, what that does, you attract more trolls because, oh, oh, she's giving me attention. She's giving me attention. Oh, she writes back or whatever. So someone's being, you know, really rude or unreasonable. Uh, and then it takes up your whole afternoon arguing with them. And then you stop doing that and you start... This is the worst thing about it. Is that why do we ignore the 10 people who are really sweet and reasonable and then the one person that isn't grabs our attention. So I write back to nice people and I think that attracts more yeah, nice yeah. people. So the point is, Theresa May needs to spend a little bit of time on the stand-up comedy circuit. Well, she Knock might have to soon for a job, <laughs> mightn't she? Oh, that's all we need. More female comedians. <laughs> yeah, so... You see, now that's a joke and I'm really worried people won't take that as a joke. Now I'm not going to sleep. <laughs>
Oh, Shabby Call Sandy doesn't support other female comedians because she doesn't want to be the really sweet. Most, most of these people are really, yeah, you're right. Most of them are lovely. When I was doing the in town, when I, well, I still am. So I sort of, um, <laughs> but I, so I always ask, like, uh, if I'm going to a town, who can tell me anything about this town? And just piles of people reply, and they're always really positive well some of them just go oh it's a dump but most people go oh it's brilliant you should see this bit that bit mm. and some of them really really fun i met the one in folkestone i i thought was brilliant because there's um someone said there's a new hotel been built on the seafront mark that was supposed to look like a ship but i think the builders misheard the instruction lovely brilliant beautiful funny people and yeah. they're they're the majority of people yeah yeah and that's nice so I think if we just jailed about the right 2%. <laughs> <laughs> That'd do it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Acast or wherever else you get your podcasts. Helen Hodnoff produced this episode. I'm Kirsty Major. See you next week. Traffic jams tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.